0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our second edition of the BLD Podcast. My name is Stephen McCarthy. Justin Bauman is here with me and we are going to get into the NFL Combine coming up. It is coming up this weekend and it is one of our favorite off-season moments and it's really an interesting time to see what different players from different schools can possess and how they're, they match up physically. So, Justin, what do you like about the Combine?
1: Um... You know, I like that these guys come out and compete. I know uh, the big story this year is going to be Kyler Murray uh, not throwing, but a lot of these guys, you know, aren't the guys that know they're going to go in the top five or top ten or feel like they have all the momentum in the world. So they want to come in and they want to show out and uh, and stand out amongst the competition.
0: So if you're not familiar with what we do here, we break it down into four quarters. Uh, first quarter today, we're going to talk about. The running back and offensive line positions. Quarter number two, we're going to talk about wide receivers and tight ends, which should be a big topic for Bills fans. Quarter three, we're going to go defensive line and linebackers. And quarter four, we're just going to kind of touch on the Bills and you know who could fit into their plans, uh, who they've met with, and what Sean McDermott had to say about the wide receiver position. So to kick it off, we'll go quarter number one. We're going to start the clock. Justin, why don't you tell us about some of the running back p- prospects that you like that are going to be in the Combine this weekend?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting class. Um, typically, you know, in a, in a running back class, there's one or two guys that are getting top ten considerations, like the uh, the Todd Gurley's, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley's. Uh, this year, there isn't that guy. This, this class is definitely built on depth, and it has a lot of different kind of runners in it. Um, the guy I've been on since, I want to say, November – uh, was Josh Jacobs from Alabama. Um, if you watched any Alabama games, you might have missed him because he only had like eight carries a game. Um, but that's something to be looked upon as a positive, um, believe it or not, just because uh, you know NFL scouts are big on wear and tear. And this guy only averaging a couple touches a game really helped him preserve his body. And they, they used him towards the end of the year. He's definitely a bell cow guy. If you see him in the shorts and the t-shirt like you will um, on Friday, uh, this is the underwear Olympics overall. These guys aren't wearing pads. They're not wearing helmets. So um, these guys are going to look really good, really trim. And the two guys I'm going to talk about both look like monsters. And Josh Jacobs is a guy that looks like a physical freak. Uh, Rarely got a chance to shine in Alabama. He runs violent as hell. Um, He reminds me of Sony Michelle, but a lot more physical. Um, if I watched a couple, a uh, couple of his games, and he kind of relishes contact, which is very rare for a running back, um, he runs with like a fullback mentality, where instead of going out of bounds and you know preserving his body, he'll see somebody on the sideline and, and you know he'll try to instill some fear into them, and he's not afraid to talk to him. So, uh, Josh Jacobs. If the Bills do take him, um, it would have to be early. They would have to trade back in the in the first round. I think in the you know the the fifteen to twenty area would be the perfect spot to pick him. Um, I don't see it happening, but Mm-mm. it's definitely a name, definitely a name to to know because I think he will be the first running back off the board.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. He's an absolute tank.
1: Yeah, and then uh and then we're gonna go with a guy that's gonna be you know fourth or fifth round pick. His name is Elijah Holyfield. Uh, Yes, he is the son of Evander Holyfield. Um, He has, you know, just gigantic arms. He was, I want to say it was a couple years back where his picture online or on the internet, you know, went viral just because he is a physical freak. And like I said, just like Josh Jacobs, these dudes, these two look like they are uh, just absolute mastodons out there. Uh, He's angry when he runs. He's another Georgia back. All they do is produce running backs, quality running backs, and uh, he's another one. I think he should have stayed in for another year. Um, He definitely would have been the guy there, Um, but he decided to come out early because you know when you're a running back, you only have so much time. Uh, He runs angry. He's quicker than he is fast. Uh, He reminds me a lot of Mark Ingram. And if we're talking about the Bills taking you know a running back like that in the fifth round, which is pretty pretty good, uh, Mark Ingram type guy to complement a LaShawn McCoy and preserve his career or, you know, even a, a Marcus Murphy type guy. Um, that's definitely something to, to think about.
0: Yeah. Um, I really do think that the bills need to upgrade the running back position, whether it's via trade, free agency or the draft. And you can get quality running backs pretty much anywhere in the draft. I think there are the elite guys like Barkley and Elliot and even Fournette to a certain extent, but, You find guys like Alvin Kamara or other dangerous specialty backs that you can get later in the draft. So I think the Bills should certainly take a chance on one. Um, But a position they should most likely address early and often is the offensive line. And I know there's a couple guys that really stand out to you as guys that are kind of shooting up draft boards.
1: Yeah. Um, there's going to be a lot of talk on Jonah Williams, the offensive tackle from Alabama. Um, people are making a, a big deal about the length of his arms and all that stuff. But if you watch college football, um, you saw him do his thing. Um, and he was one of, if not the best left tackle in college football last year. So he's going to translate just fine. Um, he's in play at nine if the bills opt to stay there. And another name I want to talk about is Jawan Taylor, the offensive tackle out of Florida. Um, if you followed the Tennessee Titans at all, uh, you've heard the name Jack Conklin. He was uh, he was a pick a couple years back. Very physical guy, isn't afraid of contact, and has heavy hands at protection. And I think Jawan Taylor looks a lot like him. Uh, he has some smooth tape. He looks like he's you know um, he is a smooth mover. He's got good dexterity, and he's able to reach speed rushers uh, at a nice pace. Depending on how he works, I don't know how run, how fast he's going to run. I don't know what his timing is going to be. Um, I would say there is, an is- there's, there is somewhat of an issue on his bend um, dealing with guys that get underneath him and that sort of thing. So he might be able to move inside um, at worst-case scenario. But I think he's definitely a name to look at at 9, um, along with Jonah Williams.
0: And I know on the inside you've got a guy. It is Eric McCoy, center out of Texas A&M. What do you think? Where do you think he could go, and what do you think his value is for a young offensive
1: line like the Bills have? Oh man, he uh, he might be—he's that guy. You know, last year I was a big—I was a big fan of, um,
0: Frank of Hernandez,
1: Ragnow. Frank Regnau, and Hernandez that ended up going out of UTEP to uh, the Giants. Uh, this guy reminds me a lot of him. You know, I described those two as um, as bouncers at the club. So. Eric McCoy is definitely one of those dudes that are bouncers at the club. You definitely want him, you know, if you're in a street fight, if you're in an alleyway, this guy's going to clear the way for you and get you out of there. Uh, he's a he's a three-year starter, which you know that McBean absolutely loves. Okay, he's a three-year starter in the SEC. That means he's faced talent after talent after talent. LSU, Alabama, you know, Auburn always supplies defensive line talent, and he's played all of them. He played well. Um, he will start for 10 years. You know how these guys go. And um, him and Wyatt Teller in the middle um, is a great nucleus to have. And, you know, the the best place to protect your quarterback is right up the middle. So having a guy like McCoy and Wyatt Teller grow together, um, I think that is a delightful thing for the Bills to see. Uh, he's a guy I, I would say late second, early third round he's probably going to go depending on how he works out and depending on how other guys work out um, but before the combine starts i think it's uh it's totally reasonable to see second third round on him
0: and i think that the bills really need to address offensive line whether it be free agency and there are going to be guys out there like the center from denver center or the right tackle from carolina those two are probably at the top of the bills wish list but it's a thin offensive line free agency class so you could see the Bills save some money and go for a guy in the draft. Nine is going to be an interesting spot. Who knows if Jonah Williams will be there? Cody Ford's another name. Who knows if Taylor will be there? So There's a lot of options. Um, We'll see what the Bills do, Um, but I think as we move into quarter number two, that wide receiver and tight end is going to be the talk of town for the bills obviously they need to surround josh allen with weapons he needs playmakers outside of jason kroom at the tight end position for zay jones to step up although i saw an impressive video of zay jones flipping a 45 pound weight and catching it barehanded over and over and over
1: wow good stuff
0: i know but it needs to be a football um and then robert foster Came on late in the year, but he's still got a long way to go to be a number one or number two receiver in this league. So there are a couple guys that could really stand out at the Combine, and I think we need to start with D.K. Metcalf out of Ole Miss, who, if you've seen a picture of him on the interwebs, is an absolute physical specimen. It is rare you see a guy that big move like he does and become a huge prospect like he is he had he has 1.3 percent or 1.6 percent body fat which is just absolutely insane but he if he runs a 4-4 I think he's going to go in the top five I think he is so big so fast and he who who's going to cover that who can cover that so I think he's going to be a talk of the combine and the draft leading up to it you know
1: uh he is definitely an Al Davis special and Yeah, um, I think he's going four. Yeah, so yeah, something about DK Metcalf and I don't know what it talks about is um the last guy to be that physical and that big and that fast, uh was Calvin Johnson. Mm-hmm. And um the Raiders passed on him to take Jamarcus Russell. Uh that was always Al Davis's kind of biggest regret is to take Jamarcus Russell over Calvin Johnson. Um so I think his son, Mark, um, is gonna kinda of try to write that ship. and I'm not saying DK Metcalf is Calvin Johnson Uh, I think it's the contrary I think there's a lot to work on with DK Metcalf I know everyone's fallen in love with his size and stuff but his route running isn't as as crisp as it should be Uh, it takes forever to break down the routes Um, plus I like my receivers to have some flexibility I don't know how he can move with that obviously we're going to see on Saturday um, whether he can move in the on-field drills because he wasn't that big when he played in college no
0: He's so. had a lot. Of, he's like had a long time to work out because he had that neck injury, and now he's fully cleared and he's back. But again, he's been just put just packing on weight, and I'm sure he's been doing his speed drills and whatnot and trying to get better. But again, it's a different story when you've got to consistently do all those things with a like an actual quarterback throwing too.
1: Yeah, like, you know, he's, he's going to be an impossible cover. He's going to be able to throw every corner that he plays against. But, um, you know, it is, it's it's physics. You know, when somebody moves that fast with that much mass, it takes a while for it to stop. So uh, anything where he has to come back to the ball or, or make a, a cut, you know, backwards or anything like that could be an issue. And, um, you know, that's definitely something to watch. I I hope the Bills don't, you know, fall in love with him and, and take him, you know, at nine or try to move up to get them like they did with Sammy Watkins. I hope they just, you know, they play the board and, and take the best player available. Um, but you know, someone's going to pay up for DK Metcalf just because every year someone falls in love with someone. It's the Vernon Golston. It's the uh, it's the guys that blow up the combine that run super fast. The John Rosses that uh, someone falls in love with and takes them in the top ten. And I just hope uh, the Bills don't fall into that factor. Well,
0: I think you're kind of touching on it with John Ross and perhaps some things that Sean McDermott said today that we'll touch on in quarter number four about the Bills most likely not moving up again to take a wide receiver like that, and I, th- they're encouraging words to me, and I'm good with it, but we'll touch on that in quarter number four, but you touched on Calvin Johnson, and I saw a video yesterday of him working with probably your favorite wide receiver in the draft, who is an absolute freak, at Hakeem Butler. He is not the same weight as DK Metcalf, but he's taller, and I think you think of him as, what, your number one receiver in this
1: class? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. This draft class here is is kind of dividing scouts, um, and when I watch film, I know there are some, um, some negative things when it comes to Hakeem Butler, but I just think that this receiver's class, I'm not saying it's bad in any way. I think it's actually one of the strengths of the class. I just think there isn't that one elite guy or is that one elite talent that's way above everyone else. I just think there's like five or six guys that you can literally make a case that they're the number one receiver. Uh, for me, I think Hakeem Butler is that guy. Um, we're going to see how he runs. If he could run a four or five, I'm good with it. The dude's measured at 6'5". He's like 225. So he is the same uh, weight as DK Metcalf, but he's not the same size as DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf is all muscle. Hakeem Butler does have um, a little body fat on him. God bless him. You know, it's not 1.6, but he does have some body fat on him. He's an impossible frame to cover. He's 6'5". He's got long arms. I think he had the longest arms at the Combine, Mm -hmm. the the biggest hands at the Combine. Um, He's got... He's got Calvin Johnson's catch radius. I remember watching a Monday night football game where they did the, the, the display of Calvin Johnson's catch radius. The size and it of was like, a garage door. It was the size of a two car garage door. Yes. And that's and that's what Hakeem Butler has. So with a guy like Josh Allen that has, you know, some accuracy issues, you just want a big target for him. Yep. And McDermott saw it and Bean saw it in Carolina. When you have a guy like Cam Newton who also had uh, accuracy issues, they went and got the biggest, biggest guys they could find. And Cal- and Calvin Benjamin was one of those guys that can catch everything when he wanted to, when he tried to. Um, so I think they try this with Keem Butler. I hope so. Uh, and he always falls forward, which I cannot stress enough. As a football coach, you want your players to fall forward. And when you're six foot five, that means it's two yards every time.
0: Yeah. And so, then he- yeah, I think I you you you've steadily talked me out of DK Metcalf and, and into guys like Hakeem Butler or Nikhil Harry that you can get fringe first round, early second round, and they can come in and they don't have to be the elite receiver that every team that some teams have, but they can do what the Bills need them to do.
1: Yeah, it's, I think it's the most valuable pick out there is the the second the early second round guys because. Because teams are gonna, there's teams out there that draft for need, and that's where you get killed. The Bills did it for so long, and they got killed. Um, and th- you know, you just want to be one of those teams that draft the best player available. And with a stat with stacked class like this, um, there's gonna be tons of guys available. You you brought up Nikhil Harry, who I think is a a physical freak. Um, he's going to be fantastic, um, but you know, I want to bring up a late round guy that's not going to get a lot of attention. I found I, I found his film. Um, I want to say in December, and I fell in love with him, Is uh, Greg Dorch? He's last got name. It's, <laughs> Greg Dorch man, Dorch right? Um, so Greg Dorch is going to be a late round guy. Uh, you know, depending on how he runs, he could be anywhere from a fifth rounder to an undrafted guy. I don't know. He could make a roster. He couldn't. But all I'm saying is his film. He's undersized at about five nine, um, but he's got Jamison Crowder when I see him. And if you watch any of Washington, you know Jamison Crowder's is a guy that you know catches in between the twenties. Um, you know he lines up inside the hash, but he he isn't afraid to die for balls. He comes up with diving catches quite a bit, um, and Yak is big with him. And I can't remember the last I can't remember the last receiver we had that was dangerous in Yak. Might, you think, I mean, Robert Foster might be the... Well, okay, so I'm saying a guy out of the slot, though.
0: Okay, that catches it and then creates for himself.
1: Yeah, like Roscoe Parrish was drafted to be that guy. I think that's the last one I can think of. Correct? I mean, was Josh Reed was like the third down guy, but like... Yeah,
0: I mean, the, the offense is... The Bills' offenses have never been predicated on hitting a guy in space and having him go. It's more or less throw him the ball and he stops where he is. They don't throw bubble
1: screens. They don't really do anything like that. So he could be, you know, he's a guy, or, you know, there's the Andy Isabella who's going to be drafted way earlier than him. There's the Hunter Renfro's going to be drafted way earlier than him. Uh, but I think Greg Dortch is a guy that could be our Jamison Crowder or could be our Randall Cobb to get Josh Allen, to get the ball out of his hands fast, uh, to get the ball into playmaker's hands and, you know, can be an extended part of a run game. Uh, so Greg Dortch is definitely a guy in the late rounds uh, to look for, and he could even be an undrafted guy. I want to see him run fast. I hope he does because he seems like a hell of a football player and he loves the game. So um, that's definitely a guy I want to look for if I'm a Buffalo Bills fan.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do at receiver. Um, I hope they kind of go more towards the draft and less towards free agency in a position like this. But I think the next position that we're going to talk about is the deepest in this upcoming draft, and that's the tight end position. And TJ Hawkinson has moved into my number one position desired player list um i think i would i would strongly consider him at nine i think you can move back maybe a couple spots and get him but he's six five i think around like 240 245 he's one of the best blockers in this class he's one of the best receivers in this class he's a complete package uh and i think more importantly he can help in both the pass and run games because he's a good blocker like i said and he can catch everything he runs really good routes good red zone threat and I'm starting to think that we can follow the Philadelphia model where they have an elite tight end or the Kansas City model where you have an elite tight end that is your technically your number one receiver but they can still block and then you surround him with a guy that can win on the outside like Hakeem Butler you get a speed guy you get a slot guy like you have specialties and they don't all have to do everything you can just have specialties.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, the NFL is a beautiful game now. Uh, it's offenses, it's all about specialty, and it's all about what works for you. Um, and I think, you know, with Brian Dable, he's going to figure out ways to get the ball off fast for Josh Allen. Um, I know Josh Allen's strength is just releasing the thing, 96 yards, and hoping someone can catch it, um, sort of thing. But uh, I think getting the ball off fast will be good. A guy like T.J. Hawkinson could be the safety blanket. Usually, when you draft a, uh, there's like been a correlation. Every time you draft a rookie uh, quarterback, you usually go get them a weapon or you get them protection. Um, a tight end does both of that. You know, he protects the quarterback and he's a safety blanket for the guy. And TJ Hawkinson is definitely a name that you're going to hear a lot of. Um, and his teammate, Noah Fanton is definitely a guy you can hear, hear a lot of. But, um, like you said, man, this is the strength of the class. This, I've never seen a position quite as deep as like, is this, um, especially a tight end that we can go years without getting one of those elite tight ends. I think last year, who was it last year? It was, uh, it was Dallas Goddard, um, you know, Mike and Jaceki, Mike Jaceki, and Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews, uh, and, Hayden Hurst, and you don't really get much impact out of them. I think Dallas Goddard's going to be phenomenal this year, but um, this year you're going to see imp- instant impact. And there's a couple guys that um, are going to be outside day, you know, in day two and in, in early day three that I kind of want to talk about. Um, Isaac Nada who is from Georgia. He's got size, speed, catching ability. He's going to be a move guy. He's going to be the tight end that you see in the slot, the Travis Kelsey type. Um, He's he's essentially a big receiver. And um, he can block a guy in the run game, but I wouldn't do that for him. You can find someone in free agency um, and – Put them in as a blocking tight end. You know, leagues the league is starting to do that. There's tons of guys out there that are willing to block. It doesn't want to catch a pass. That's fine. Go get a weapon. And Isaac Nada is one of those guys that can be a weapon. And then one of my guys who, is one of the best last names in the draft, Jay Stern Sternberger. Nice. Okay, from Texas A and M. He gets uncovered a lot. He runs a lot of routes. Um, A lot of routes to the outside, which he separates from linebackers, which you want to see from a tight end. Okay. And he can move after the catch. He's one of those yak guys. He could be a great matchup nightmare. um, And something the bills haven't had, you know, they'd sign Charles Clay to be that guy never really worked out with him. Uh, Jay Sternberger and Nada both remind me of Hunter Henry quite a bit. And Hunter Henry is a dude that when he's healthy, he's a freak. So, the Bills get that kind of guy day two or day three. Watch out. Could
0: you imagine Sternberger and Dortch? That would be a sweet law firm. Okay. Watch what happens. If they
1: draft both of them, I'm buying both their jerseys. It would
0: be like Starsky and Hutch. It would be. It would be it would great. Be. I think I. that's something I could really get behind, and, and that would just... Be really great for Bills fans. Like yeah. De Beer, like that guy the offensive lineman almost oh, got yeah. signed. That was a good time. Hashtag Bills Mafia. Bills Mafia. Okay, quarter number two in the books, quarter three. Uh these are two positions where the Bills don't necessarily need a ton of help, but you know, they could add some depth there. And I, unless one certain guy, your favorite guy falls to them at oh. nine. And oh. you, why don't you talk about Mr. Oh. Ed Oliver to the
1: fans oh. at home? Eddie O, Eddie O, I'll tell you right now, I discovered Ed Oliver um, about four years ago. He was he was a top recruit coming out of high school, and he chose to not go to a Power Five conference. And that was a big deal because those guys never do that. They always want to play in the big-time ball games and all that stuff. So uh, after seeing that decision, I was like, you know what, I'm going to follow this guy and see what happens. So um he's a bit undersized he didn't grow as much as people thought he would he i, I think now he's like six two i don't uh, he's
0: i read he's six four
1: he is yeah he's, he's listed 6'4". at six
0: two he's listed okay so if he's listed at six two and i've read he's six four we'll conservatively call him six three six three that's fine but then okay. I, isn't the knock on him that he is not as big as you would want
1: he's he, 292 Right. And you would, most defensive tackles, you want them to be 315, 315 right? Type. That's fine. You know, Aaron Donald weighs about 300, 305. So, but he's uh, pure muscle. Yeah. So, and Ed Albert isn't too far behind. Um, I'm not saying he's the next Aaron Donald in any way. Um, but for the last three years at at Houston, he's been an absolute monster. He's been a wrecker. Um You know, the NFL guys, the analytic guys might ding him just because he's not the size they want. But if you watched any of the Houston film, um, it speaks for itself. He will run in the low 4.8s, maybe the high 4.7s. And like I said, he's wrecked plays. And I think it would be amazing if they have a package in there. Whoever drafts him, I hope the Bills draft him at 9. Oh, my God. Oh, my God.
0: I've seen him slipping in a lot of mock drafts. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I, I, I see him going as far as I think fourteen to the Falcons, which Falcons, yeah. if he gets I I feel if he's there at nine and Sean McDermott just lost Kyle Williams and he needs another penetrating defensive tackle with elite speed and strength for the position, he's gonna be like, At Oliver, how you doing, Sean McDermott. Yeah. Welcome to the Buffalo Bills.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up standing up on the field at some point as a as a rush end as a linebacker just because of he's that athletic. And there's, I mean, go look it up. There's tapes of him working out, um, and he looks like a running back. Yeah. Okay, he's just, he's so fluid in his moves, and he scares the crap out of interior linemen, which is absolutely hilarious. I've never seen someone penetrate so fast just because linemen are afraid to make the first move with him. And by the time they decide what to do, he's by them already. So, Ed Oliver at nine would be a godsend. I know we don't need that position, but you can never have too many rush guys. Best player having, available. Best player available and having someone that can rush inside—that is such such an advantage, um, especially when you play guys like Tom Brady, um, who are immobile. You right. Know?
0: You, if you can collapse that pocket from the inside out. Yeah. If you can force a guy like Tom Brady to roll out, you're gonna you're gonna get a lot of sacks because. That, Maybe. He can't step up into a pocket and a lot of quarterbacks they need to step up to deliver that ball. I mean, they're not all given that rocket arm like Josh Allen or Cam Newton or Player X here. Like they wanna step up into the pocket and they wanna avoid rushers. So if you can collapse it and then have someone like Jerry Hughes or Shaq Lawson or Trent Murphy book around the outside, you're gonna cause a lot of issues for other
1: teams. Yeah, and you know, if if you know, a guy like Jonah Williams and Jawan Taylor are both gone, and Hawkinson is gone. That's not a bad consolation prize, Oliver. No. Not a bad all. Not at not, all. No. Um, yeah, and I'll talk about one more guy. This is going to be a late a round, uh, late round guy, probably six or seven. His name is Sutton Smith. If you watched any of UB's football games, you um, you saw him in the MAC Championship. He plays for Northern Illinois. He's an undersized rush guy. But he was productive as hell in college and he has a motor that will not stop. He eat, breathes and lives football and he's got McDermott written all over him. Um, he'll be a blitz package guy. He won't he'll, he'll kill it on special teams. Um, you know they'll have to move him to outside linebacker um, but he gets to the quarterback and he has that sauce to him, okay He's very saucy and he fight he will fight to make a squad. okay He will get in your grill and he's not afraid to make a hit. And I think uh, Sutton Smith's a guy that kind of fits the McDermott bean mold, that the, the, the Wyatt Teller angriness, but, you know, loves football. He's that kind of guy.
0: Yeah, it'll be nice to – they need to add more depth along the defensive line. I know Jordan Phillips is in contract negotiations and Harrison Phillips was drafted last year, but they're still – next to Star Latulule. they're missing an elite interior player pass rushing defensive tackle and Latule doesn't really give you anything on the stat sheet he is more of a run stuffer and to take on blockers to free up linebackers but they need to add a little bit of something there a little bit more meat Um, we'll see how that happens but their linebacking core I think is one of the is going to be one of the best in the league Matt Milano once he comes back from injury he was a great player throughout the season Tremaine Edmonds came on at the end of the year. Lorenzo Alexander, yes, is old, but is one of the still one of the most productive pass rushers in the league.
1: He's but so old.
0: He's so old, but he's still so good.
1: He's so, so old.
0: He's like 36.
1: Dude, he's ancient.
0: But he's still so effective. But they're going to need to round out that linebacking core. And there's a guy that you think that could be there late that a lot of Bills fans might recognize the name, but not necessarily the
1: face. Yeah, so... Um I'm going to talk about a Buffalo product. He wasn't invited to the combine, which is um, kind of a shock. I think he goes in the fifth, sixth round. His name is Khalil Hodge. He was a linebacker for the Buffalo bulls at UB. Um, I actually, I hate the name drop, but I actually know his coach and we've talked about this quite a bit. Um, his coach has told me he's one of the smartest players he's ever been around. He calls all the plays on defense when he went down or when he was, he was out for like a targeting penalty. Um, He had to miss a half, and it was the worst half of football they played just because um, he wasn't out there to correct things. And when he was banged up or when he wasn't around, defense fell apart. So he's one of those guys that can go in there. Um, He ran a program like UB defensively. He can go into the NFL uh, with not that much pressure on him and try to make a squad. And I think he's got the football technique and he's got the football smarts to do it. Um, he's gonna make his living on on special teams. But I think uh, you know, having a guy like Lorenzo Alexander in that spot, he can learn from him. And then maybe year two or year three, he makes that jump into starting, and I think he can contribute. Um he could be he could be a weak side linebacker, um, and he could be the strong side linebacker. It all depends on what the what the coaching staff thinks of him. Um, but he's definitely a guy in the fifth to sixth round to get someone who could round out the linebacking core with, you know, Tremaine Edmonds and Milano, I think that's perfect.
0: Yeah, I think he would be a good addition. Um, Like I said, I think the Bills linebacking core is set for a couple of years now. I think Milano is a great playmaker and fits a very unique role on that defense. And they obviously spent a lot on Tremaine Edmonds to move up and get him. And he is, I think, one of the future studs and middle linebacker in the league. So that's end of quarter three. We're going to... Transition to quarter four, which is our final quarter, and we're just going to kind of talk about a couple guys that met with the Bills today. We touched on some of their names, Juwan Taylor, Jonah Williams, we got Cody Ford, who's another offensive lineman, and a guy like Bryce Love that we didn't mention in the running back conversation, but he seems like a guy that would be a perfect fit for the Bills. You could He's incredibly productive in college, he is a Stanford guy, he... From what I read, his interviews with the media went very well, and he's very well-spoken. He just really seems like a McDermott and Brandon Bean guy. And I think if you can get a good value pick on him in maybe round four or five or six, I think that would be a perfect spot to pick him up.
1: Yeah, you know, he was mentioned as a second-round guy before he uh, tore his ACL, so it's really going to be all dependent on what his ACL is doing. Um, I believe it was his ACL. I believe him I believe him right there. Yeah, you're, but, yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, so we're going to have to see what he does, um, you know, on the bench and all that stuff. But, um, Bryce Love is a guy, is going to be an interesting evaluation just because of, like I said earlier with Josh Jacobs, he didn't have as many carries. Uh, it's the other end of the spectrum on, um, on Bryce Love. Bryce Love had a ton of carries. He was a Heisman, uh, finalist a couple of years back and, uh, you know, he was averaging like 300 touches a year. So, uh, that wears on you quite a bit. You saw it with Bishop Sankey. From Washington a couple of years back. He got drafted by Tennessee, had way too many carries on him, and just flamed out in the NFL. So, if you can get that guy in the fifth and sixth round, he's definitely worth a shot.
0: Yeah, it's, it, I mean, why not? Why not take a flyer on him? You could, you never know what could happen, and tearing his ACL might be a blessing in disguise for him because, as you've said, he's taken, he's had so many carries, he's taken so many hits. And people thought he would come out after his junior year, but he went back for his senior year, then he got hurt. And if you can pick up a guy that has the experience, has the production, but has had to take some time off due to an injury, that kind of gives him a little extra time for his body to recover, and he can be a good player down the line. And especially if the team is dead set on keeping LaShawn McCoy or keeping Chris Ivory, which I disagree on both ends, I think that... They should go another route, and I recently wrote an article for BuffaloDown.com that there's a proposed trade out there from Derek Carr of NFL Network, um, or excuse me, David Carr, that the Bills trade for Leonard Fournette, and I would love that, but we can get into that topic another time. Um, Sean McDermott also met with the media today, and he kind of gave some insight about their plans at receiver. And he says a lot of, a lot of teams nowadays don't really go with a number one receiver. They go by committee. And I'm really starting to buy in with that. You and I talked about the different receivers that would be available. Um, if Metcalf is available at nine, they could go him, but they could wait and they could go late first, early second, for a big guy like Hakeem Butler and Nikhil Harry, a uh, kid from Stanford. There's a bunch of big name receivers out there that they can get. And I, if John Ross's name was floated out there, and you and I have talked about it in private, if they could trade for someone like John Ross to add speed, if they could draft a tight end like TJ Hawkinson and then add um, Keen Butler on the outside, I think that would make for a really diverse and talented offense.
1: Yeah, you know this this draft class is gonna be interesting because I know we are a couple months out from the uh, from the draft, um, but I think the Bills, I think everyone can agree, the Bills have to go offensive heavy here, um, just because of the year we had and the glaring needs that we, you know, Robert Foster is a nice piece. Uh, he shouldn't be the centerpiece of any offense, that no, he's in. Not
0: all, at all right,
1: um, yeah, he, you know, he was one of those guys that didn't really see a lot of touches at Alabama, um, but. Yeah, I mean, he shouldn't He shouldn't be the number one guy. Um, he has some potential, but you need to add pieces around and you need to protect Josh Allen. So I wouldn't be surprised if the first three, four picks were all offensive guys just because you have to protect your investment. Um, and when you have a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal, there is a window to win a championship. Um, I'm not saying the Bills are going to win a championship. But if they are going to, it has to be within the next four years before Josh Allen's salary balloons up to the twenty to thirty million dollars a year range.
0: Yeah. And I I mentioned it earlier and I'm really starting to believe it. The Philadelphia model, the Kansas City model, where you have that elite tight end that can block and catch like Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey. And then you add the speed guy on the outside like Nelson Aguilar or Tyreek Hill, and then you add the Big body receiver like Alshon Jeffrey, and if you can follow that model and get guys like Alshon Jeffrey doesn't have the greatest hands, but he's got a huge catch
1: radius. What?
0: Right? Yeah, catch radius.
1: No, I meant Alshon Jeffrey dropped the game-winning touch, game-winning play for the Philadelphia Eagles to beat the Saints. But never mind, don't worry about it, buddy.
0: Sorry, I'm. You know, you have a lot more football knowledge than I do. So yes, I do. Yes, I do. Don't yeah. ever forget that. I will never forget that. Because, I mean, that's why you're here. But. Yes. Yes. Right. I, I, I'm starting to really subscribe to that model. Um, we kind of thought, like, oh, the Bills should do what the Bears did. But I'm starting to lean away from that. You have to play to Josh Allen's strength. So, as you said, Hakeem Butler is a huge target at 6'5", with a huge catch radius. Well, he's got good hands, too. So if you can marry all that together, that's great. If you can trade for John Ross, a guy that's surprisingly good in the red zone for his size but also has absolute burner speed and then you can provide a guy over the middle whether you sign adam humphries in free agency or say jones finally steps up as that slot receiver and you can get an elite playmaking tight end rather quickly you have developed weapons for a young quarterback that he needs and that could really overhaul and change his offense and make them a passing offense first rather than a run offense
1: first yeah so um you know, more of the story is we like to say the word uh, catch radius quite a bit. It's um, if, if it was a drinking game, you guys would be drunk by now. Um, and two, just so everyone's aware, uh, the combine schedule is this. The O-line, uh, special teams, and running backs will be Friday. Saturday is the quarterbacks, receivers, and tight ends. Sunday is the D-line and linebackers. And Monday is all the DBs, the safeties, and the corners. Uh, we didn't touch upon the safeties and the corners just because um, the Bills are pretty set with Micah Hyde, and Jordan Poyer, along with Cordavious White, Teron Johnson, um, and Levi, Levi Wallace. Wallace. Yep. Levi Wallace. So um, they're pretty set there. And obviously, we didn't touch upon a quarterback because uh, they have that guy with uh, with with, with, a, with a decent arm. So yeah, um, looks great in yeah. shorts. Yeah, pretty good in shorts. So
0: so that's quarter four. Um those are our thoughts on the combine. You know, we're really looking forward to see what happens after that, and we're really looking forward to getting into mock draft season. Um, Justin clearly has done quite a bit of homework, and I'm just really excited. I want to, I There's so many ways the Bills can go at nine. They can stay there. They can essentially draft any position they can draft defensive line you can get someone good there you can draft offensive line get someone good there you can draft wide receiver get someone good there tight end etc so on and so forth and or they can trade back and they they can pick up more picks and make the draft a little bit more interesting and kind of regain some of the picks that they traded away last year so it's going to be fun and i'm it's nice not having to worry about a quarterback
1: this year it's really nice yeah it's a different feeling the bills have nine picks right now Uh, so they have nine chances to uh, make an indent on their roster. If they can hit on five of them, uh, this is a playoff squad. So uh, we'll see how it happens. If you don't watch the Combine, don't worry. We got you covered. Um, We will be doing a Combine recap show um, and what the indications are for the the Bills. Um, So, you know, for for me, I'm just going to tell you guys, sit back, enjoy Saturday. That's the money day with the receivers and the tight ends. If you are going to watch one day, I'd recommend Saturday.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun, and I'm hoping the first pick for the Bills comes out of that day. They're going to – or first or second pick. One of those guys – we haven't even talked about Anthony Johnson either from UB, but there's going to be – there's some talent there, and one of those guys should be on the Bills. So um, we want to thank you guys for tuning in for our second episode. We are – gonna talk to you as Justin said after the combine we'll do a recap and then as soon as the combine's over we are gonna start mocking so we'll get into our mock drafts we can even do a live mock draft oh yeah we can get I know as will Smith once said we can get jiggy with it yes so uh, thank you again guys thank you for listening in we will talk to you soon thank you go bills.